Philadelphia Eagles fans are the reason why German scat porn exists. That's who's buying that shit. Philadelphia Eagles fans. I've never been so damn happy in my life to the point where I'm thinking, oh, hey, horse shit. Ah, fuck it. I'm going to eat it. Eagles, baby. Woo! I'm cleaning up the streets, motherfucker. Community service volunteer right here, bitch. No, never been that damn happy. Welcome to The Flex. It's the you! It's the us! It's the us! Let's be special! Let's be strong! Let's build things from the top! One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, now broadcasting from the Fantasy Sports Studios, here is your host for the flagship podcast, Chris Jakes. Welcome in to the one station for the Fantasy Football Nation. Welcome to the Flex Fantasy Football Podcast. So it's official in the books, the Philadelphia Eagles defeated the New England Patriots in Super Bowl 52 by the final score of 41-33. And we'll get to the game recap here pretty shortly. Also today, we've got the 2018 NFL free agent class of running backs. Going to run down through the list. Le'Veon Bell leads the 2018 free agency class of running backs. Gronk may be considering retirement this offseason. But first, a bizarre coaching decision. NFL News. Josh McDaniels has learned a lot over the years from Bill Belichick, including how to dick over NFL franchises. Because that's essentially what Josh McDaniels did. He pretty much held the Colts over a barrel and just went to town on that ass. Like they dropped the soap in a prison shower. Oh yeah, I'm fixing to fuck you. Early Tuesday afternoon, Josh McDaniels was officially announced as the Indianapolis Colts head coach. Until he wasn't. Man, just uh, just hours later, just after 7 p.m. Tuesday evening, it was reported that McDaniels would be backing off from the commitment to the Colts and heading back to New England to resume his duties as the Patriots' offensive coordinator. Go fuck yourselves. The McDaniels' return clearly spells out to me and to everyone for that matter that Bill Belichick's tenure with the Patriots is coming to an end. And it's coming much sooner than later. This move signifies that the clock now for Belichick's time in the NFL, and more specifically with the Patriots, that clock is actually now ticking. That clock is ticking down. It's in the tea leaves. The writing is on the wall. You know what? All good things do come to an end. And oftentimes, more often than not, when good things come to an end, they don't end very well. And there was a lot of noise coming out of New England all season long, and it all pretty much culminated with the Seth Wickersham report for ESPN.com in December. Now, with McDaniels, you're not going to return to the Patriots as the offensive coordinator without some guarantee that you're going to be taking over for Bill Belichick in the near future. When you sign up to be a a football coach at any level, your goal is to be the head coach in 90% of the cases. And it damn sure holds true in the case of Josh McDaniels. So if you're going to blackball the Indianapolis Colts like you did, man. I mean, McDaniels balls right now, man. They're blacker than Wesley Snipes. That dude is blackballed and will be rightfully so 
for at least the next five years. So for the foreseeable future, he's got no chance whatsoever be, to have any kind of consideration for a head coaching position in the NFL, except for the Patriots. So for anyone that thinks Bill Belichick might be coaching the Patriots five years from now, friggin' nuts, man. McDaniels ain't coming back to play offensive coordinator for the next five seasons. I'd say it's two seasons at the most. And this may be Bill Belichick's last year. I would not be surprised if that's the case. I don't care if Robert Kraft was offering him $5 million per year, $10 million per year to remain the offensive coordinator. His goal is to be the head coach. And that, I guarantee, is the selling point to him returning to New England and giving the Colts the shaft. All right, so let's hit on Super Bowl 52 real quick. Got some takeaways I want to get to here. Takeaways. Nick Foles. He's a goofy-looking son of a bitch, isn't he? But, man, he shocked the hell out of me and earned MVP honors, rightfully so. Foles was absolutely terrific in this game. But, man, you look at Foles in the post-game press conferences, and he does not look like a football player. Uh Uh-uh. He looks like the captain of the high school chess club or just some dude who lives out in the Midwest but adopted the style persona of a surfer, knowing damn well he's never been surfing a day in his life and probably will never do so because of his financial situation, which may not allow him to ever go to either coast. Total poser, man. That's exactly what Nick Foles looks like. And I'm freaking Russell Westbrook glasses. Come on, man. Anyway, I was very impressed with Nick Foles. And to be honest, I'm pretty happy for the dude. But you know who I'm not happy for? Those effing, psychotic, son-of-a-bitch mofos who celebrate an Eagles victory by punching police horses and then eating their shit. Fuck tards. Philadelphia Eagles fans are the reason why German scat porn exists on the internet today, man. That's who's buying that shit. Philadelphia Eagles fans. I mean, after seeing a grown-ass man go to the ground and straight up eat a pile of horse shit, doggy style, I started to rethink at how I look at Philadelphia Eagles fans. Not that I really have my own really, nothing set in stone of, of how I felt about Eagles fans, but I started to rethink about how at one time, I believe the television show It's Always Sunny Philadelphia seemed a little far-fetched to portray Philadelphia residents. But man, after seeing some of that shit that they do when they celebrate, man, Charlie Kelly from that show, he is the epitome, the everyday working man in Philadelphia who dons an Eagles jersey on game day. I've never been so damn happy in my life to the point where I'm thinking, oh, hey, horse shit. Ah, fuck it. I'm going to eat it. Eagles, baby. Woo! I'm cleaning up the streets, motherfucker. Community service volunteer right here, bitch. No, never been that damn happy. Or that effing crazy, for that matter. Anyways, back to takeaways. So, yeah, Nick Foles, very impressive. Tom Brady, also impressive in his own right, setting passing records. He gets a pretty damn good Eagles defense. So that was definitely impressive on his part. And as far as his overall performance, man, I do not put the drop pass on Brady, the one where he went out for a, he ran a route and dropped the pass that he should have had. 
I'm not going to fault him for that. He's not a receiver. We just chalk it up as a failed trick play. But I do give him 50% of the blame, of the share of the blame, I should say, for the strip sack fumble in the final two minutes plus of that game in the fourth quarter. That was just bad. Shaq Mason, he's the... I'm going to give Shaq Mason 51% of the blame there. I'm going to give Brady 49% because Shaq Mason, what the hell are you doing, man? It's clutch time. You don't give your quarterback more than 1.5 seconds to throw. Overall, Shaq Mason played pretty well. And I'll tell you what, the whole Patriots offensive line, for the most part, played pretty well. That was the first sack of the game. Granted, Brady did get hit nine times. But they didn't allow sacks. And that's pretty impressive. Especially when you got Fletcher Cox's beastly ass rushing up the middle. More on Brady here in a minute. So some other takeaways. All of the Philadelphia Eagles running backs, the Garrett Blunt, Jay Ajayi, Corey Clement, they all played exceptionally well in Super Bowl 52. The Garrett Blunt, Jay Ajayi, to be honest, I was not expecting big things from either one of them. Philly just stuck it to them, and they just pounded it up their ass in that first half. Tank Ticklers. Woo! So some other takeaways here. Rob Gronkowski, he was a man among boys up there. I mean, he absolutely decimated that Eagles secondary and set single playoff performance records for tight ends. The Patriots defense looked like absolute dog shit. Smells like ass. And if you're a Detroit Lions fan, how effing nervous are you, after seeing your new head coach get absolutely annihilated by a backup quarterback on the biggest stage? Just a garbage performance by Matt Patricia. And he's now the man running things at Big D. If I'm a Lions fan, that makes me pretty damn nervous. Patricia sucks. And my biggest takeaway from Super Bowl 52 is this. Oh, hot, 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 hot. Hot takes. Hot, 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 hot. We now know the answer to the long, long time debated question of who deserves more credit for the Patriots dynasty, for the Patriots success. Tom Brady or Bill Belichick? Without really thinking about it, the question of who deserves more credit for the Patriots success has felt pretty much even. Maybe even some lean towards Bill Belichick. Maybe a few for Tom Brady. But when you really do think about it, I mean, really think about it, there is only one clear-cut answer. Prior to Super Bowl 52, ESPN released a 30 for 30 special documentary titled The Two Bills, which is the Connection, long history between Bill Parcells and his protege, Bill Belichick. It's a great documentary, by the way, especially for NFL historians or just fans of the game or fans of either the Giants or the Patriots. I mean, I I love Parcells. I love him. And I was really pissed off at Parcells for a long time after he left the Patriots after the 96 season when they lost. When they lost Super Bowl 31 to the Green Bay Packers, 35 to 21. So while I'm watching this documentary, I'm remembering the talk surrounding the early parts of the 2000s when everyone was saying Belichick won the three Super Bowls with the core of players that Bill Parcells 
actually assembled on that Patriots roster. All the draft picks like uh, Teddy Bruschi, William McGinnis, Ty Law, Boyer Malloy. Well, he was there for the first one anyway. Just all these guys. A lot of the core were Parcells guys. Adam Vinatieri, there's another one. So anyway, of course, Patriots fans were aware of that at the time. But dude, hate can go a long way, man. And the hate for Bill Parcells at that time was so strong, man, that you just kind of erased that from your memory. Like you don't want to give credit to where credit probably should be due. You just want to go give him the finger and just move on from him. It's like getting dumped by someone because that someone liked someone else. You come out of that relationship like, well, F you, cunt. And then you proceed to talk negatively about that someone for the foreseeable future. You know, until enough time passes and, you know, you start reflecting and you think to yourself, wow, my feelings uh, were a little over the top there for a long time. Hey, all forgiven. We're good. Moved on. So, while watching this documentary, The Two Bills, my memory was starting to come back and I was thinking to myself, you know what? Bill Belichick, he's... He's always been known as a uh, defensive guru, a defensive genius. But you know what? You know what the truth of the matter is? After Bill Parcells, after all his guys left New England, pretty much all of them are gone by the end of the, of the uh, 2007 season. Look at what happened to the Patriots defense. They were friggin' awful, atrocious, awful for years, years, until they finally... Started signing a bunch of top-tier guys like Darrell Revis and Brandon Browner in 2014. But then after that season, old dickhead Belichick lets these guys walk. And, and rightfully so in the case of Browner and Revis. But there they go, man. Just went back to being another crappy bend-but-don't-break defense. And so in 10-plus seasons since Parcells guys have left, Belichick has only assembled one legitimate defense in that entire time going on 11 seasons and he can't seem to retain guys after their rookie deals expire he's not very great in the personnel department I think 2010 was probably his best draft and that was the draft that he actually drafted a murderer and Aaron Hernandez look at the guys that he's just had problems with who I don't want to get too much into it but the reason why they let Revis go and all these other guys is because oh we have to sign uh, the rookie deals that are, the guys are expiring soon like Chandler Jones Jamie Collins, you know, these guys. You know what? Well, those guys both were gone, not re-signed. The only one that was re-signed was Dante Hightower. And you know what? He's about as injury-prone as Draw Mayo was. Uh, uh, uh. But look at the other guys who he didn't retain, man. Ty Law, when his contract was up, he was gone. How about Brandon Spikes? Cut. Richard Seymour? Nope. Ty Warren? Nope. How about Asante Samuel? No. The list goes on and on, man. So in 2007, 2011, and in Super Bowl 52, the narrative is and has been that Belichick was outcoached in those games. And he was. He definitely was. And I don't want to hear the BS that the Malcolm Butler benching cost the Patriots a Super Bowl because you know what? It didn't. It absolutely did not. It didn't affect it one iota, in my opinion. Because Butler has played horribly all season. Butler has played like shit, man, like dog shit. No wonder he wanted a big-ass contract last year when he was RFA because he was trying to sell something that uh, that wasn't there, man. He's trying to sell some shit popsicles to kids with Down syndrome. Yeah, yeah. Retarded. 
But it's pretty damn obvious to me that Tom Brady is far and away the most deserving for the incredible run that the Patriots have been on the last 18 years. I don't want to hear from the the dumbest son of a bitch in sports media, Rob Mother F. and Parker, who says, oh, oh, Brady isn't the greatest anymore. He was, he was, but now he's not because he didn't win the Super Bowl this year. You know what? Dick of the week. You dumbass, horseshit eating, hating piece of dog cock. Without Brady, the Pats, they get destroyed. Worse than Rob Parker's asshole when he enters the Yankees clubhouse. You dumb, brainless, dickless idiot. Rob Parker looks like a fucking homeless dude who found a suit in the trash can of a rich person's neighborhood and decided to throw that bitch on and go for an interview at a TD bank. Knowing damn well he's only going there to try to rob that bitch. I bet Parker just smells, just smells like homeless. You know Rob Parker just reeks of human shit. He's the type of guy that you reluctantly shake his hand because, you know, that's the polite thing to do. But then, after shaking that dude's hand, all you can think about is washing that nasty motherfucker stink off your damn hands. You know that feeling? You know what I'm talking about? You know, when you touch something nasty, kind of hold your hand up in the air until you find the nearest sink to wash it. Yeah. Oh, that fucking Rob Parker, man. Moving on. So Rob Gronkowski mentioned in the Super Bowl postgame that he is considering retirement. Most, including myself, took it as, ah, it's just an emotional reaction, you know, whatever, I'll be back. But now, man, I'm not so sure. I am not sure. I'm actually concerned now because now it's being reported that Gronk wants to be an action film star and WWE wrestler. He wants to be the next Rock. And you know what? I've seen some of Gronk's commercials and the Rock, he is not. I think WWE, he would do pretty well, but that dude cannot act. And he's not even funny, man. Maybe physically funny. Like Chris Farley, if you have him on mute, you can still get a laugh out of him. But once Gronk starts talking and tries to say jokes and shit, that shit is not funny. That's not funny. Take the football, Rob. But it's definitely time to take this Gronk retirement thing a little bit more seriously. And I'll be watching this one closely as someone who owns him a dynasty and is a fan of his as well. But the question on my mind is what happens with Nick Foles in 2018? Magic mirror, the kind Rosie uses to find her asshole. Pulse douche. I think what makes the most sense is the Eagles will keep him at least through training camp just to see how Carson Wentz progresses from uh, his ACL injury. Because Wentz went down late in the season. There's no guarantees he's going to be ready for opening day or for opening weekend, I should say. And as a defending Super Bowl champion, you don't want to take a step back, but you want to fall back to the pack. You want to keep that foot on the gas. And Foles clearly can do it, man. He works very well with Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson, by the way, hell of a coach, man. I was really impressed with a lot of the play calling, a lot of the answers. That dude is talented. He is a talented head football coach. And real quick, and one more thing in the Super Bowl that I was a little disappointed about was... Justin Timberlake did the halftime show. And I was disappointed that there was no Janet Jackson comeback. No comeback in the halftime show. I was disappointed about that. I thought there had been a perfect reunion. And to be honest, I thought the halftime show was kind of lame. Yes, Justin Timberlake proved that he's a very talented individual and they did a nice little tribute to Prince. But you know what? 
That shit was boring. It was boring. I, I don't really watch the halftime show anyway, but man, that was boring shit. I saw some of it and I was like, this dude just walking on the stadium, just singing like best hit tracks and shit. F this. I'm out. All right. It's that time. Blindsided. What the hell happened? Didn't see that coming. Like the color purple. When the chick pulled out that big ass, well, you know the scene. Yeah, I didn't see that one coming. Who the hell saw Nick Foles having the game that he did? My goodness. Burned like a ginger on the 4th of July. Hey, you know who got burned? The entire Patriots secondary. And no, 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 scratch that. The entire Patriots defense as a whole. The whole unit. Blue ball sack. Free agency. Fantasy free agents. Running backs. All right. Fantasy free agents. Running backs. And let's start off with everybody's number one back that's available in 2018 free agency. And that is Le'Veon Bell. Bell is expected to command some neighborhood of, well, 10 to $15 million, which is kind of crazy. So tens of millions of dollars for a running back. And as history will show, a running back's first five years in the league are much more productive than the next five years. And you know what? Bell's entering year six. I'm not sure if Pittsburgh's going to invest in him. I don't think they're going to re-sign him not for that price. That's kind of ridiculous. Great player, but no, I wouldn't do it. I think some landing spots for Bell are going to be either the Jets, the Giants, the Dolphins, the Eagles, or my top two destinations for Le'Veon Bell which are the Oakland Raiders, soon to be Las Vegas Raiders, and the Detroit Lions. I think those are the top two destinations for Le'Veon Bell. Do you want to Michigan State too? Maybe you might want to go back to Detroit. Hey, who knows? All right, next, we've got Carlos Hyde. I think more likely than not, Hyde's going to return to the 49ers if I had a guess where he's going to end up. I think they're going to re-sign him there. It seemed like him and Garoppolo were starting to flow a little bit there as the Season came to an end. They just kept uh, building momentum there. And obviously, they won a nice string of games there to close out the season to finish six and 10. So I think he's going to end. I think he's going to stay in San Francisco. Other destinations I can see him going Detroit, Oakland, Giants, Tampa Bay, Cincinnati. But you know, I am intrigued and I will be intrigued to see what they do with Matt Breda and Joe Williams heading into OTAs. Looking, looking forward to that because Joe Williams. We know after the draft, Kyle Shanahan was in love with this dude. And then just like that, he was gone for the season. So, curious to see what happens in that backfield. All right, next up, Rex Burkhead. Dude's injury prone. Doesn't have a lot of experience. I don't think he's going to command that much money. My top four destinations for him, Patriots, Ravens, Rams, Chargers. Deion Lewis. Another guy that's been injury prone. But he's got great talent. Great talent. And he's like the Isaiah Thomas of running backs. Not the old IT, the uh, the little Isaiah Thomas. And if you watch Lewis run, he's like the only one that can do what Le'Veon Bell does with, with the hesitation moves and then just burst just like that, like 0 to 60 in half a second. Anyways, I think Lewis is, I think his top four destinations are the Colts, the Lions, the Browns, and the 49ers. Isaiah Crowell, he's just not very good. I could definitely see him return to Cleveland because I don't know if Cleveland's going to be able to attract anybody else to come play running back there. Duke Johnson, 
had a pretty good season last year, especially in PPR. He definitely did. I think Crowell could be, I think some landing spots for him could be the Browns, the Jets, the Bengals, and the Panthers. How about Jarek McKinnon? He's pretty consistent, but he is talented. You know, he can kind of do a little bit of everything and catch it out of the backfield. He can run outside. And on occasion, he'll run in between the tackles. But uh, dude's definitely an outside kind of scat back. I don't think he's going to be an every down guy, that's for sure. But some landing spots for him. He could end up back in Minnesota, depending on what they do with Latavius Murray. But I'd say there's a 70% chance that he's going to be gone. And I think some good fits for him would be the Bengals, the Texans, the Pats, and the Bucks. Moving on to Frank Gore. Old man Gore. Well, let's just say it again. He's old. And he's in decline. He finally showed that decline last year. And the Colts have more than Mac. Trying to inject a little youth movement in that team, especially on the offense. So I think it's either the Colts, which I know he wants to return, or retirement. Because I don't know who else is going to sign the guy unless he wants to play for pennies on the dollar and most likely play in a reserve role. How about Alfred Morris? He performed fairly well in Zeke's absence. Still pretty young dude. Not a lot of miles, at least not recently. In the right situation, with a good quarterback, decent offensive line, I think it could help him resurrect a once promising career. Some good spots for him would be the Patriots, the Dolphins, Giants, Lions, and Raiders. How about LeGarrette Blunt? Dude's definitely consistent, at least when he's not with the Patriots, that's for sure, which go figure because the, the most inconsistent backfield to predict is the Patriots' backfield. But you know what? LeGarrette Blunt's most consistent years were with the Patriots, so go figure that one out. He can still turn it on at times. He's much better than Isaiah Crowell. Some people compare the two, but I'd say LeGarrette Blunt is a rich man's Isaiah Crowell. If the two were cars, right, Blunt would be the old school Hummer. You know, maybe it's got some high mileage. Maybe it's got a little oil leak. But still surprisingly somewhat reliable. And Crowell in this uh, analogy, he would be more like a uh, a wind-up toy cranked Toyota Prius jacked up sitting on monster truck tires that uh, can do a couple of cool things in very, very short spurts. And uh, it just takes a long time for him to crank. And he only does it a couple times a year. I think LeGarrette Blunt could, he could remain with the Eagles. I think it's unlikely because J.J. is a similar back and I think the money is not going to add up there. He could return to the Patriots as well. Patriots definitely could have used him this past season. Mike Gillisley, I think he's going to be cut by the Patriots. I mean, that dude was just inactive more than more than I ever anticipated, that's for sure. The Dolphins are an option. The Jets, the Colts, and the Lions. So let's run some possible running backs that I think are going to be available due to team's cap space. I think these guys are going to be cap casualties right here. Kick his ass to the curb. And let's start with my biggest dick of all running backs, Lamar Miller. Pain in the motherfucking ass. Now, if the Texans cut him, they're going to save roughly $4.75 million off of the 2018 salary cap. Lamar Miller is, for lack of a better analogy here than the car one, how about this one? Lamar Miller is the Bernie Madoff of running backs because Lamar Miller clearly made off of the Texans' money. And Bob McNair, Texans owner, will hopefully approve of Miller's release and stop paying into that Ponzi scheming mofo. You son of a bitch. That son of a bitch. 
I can see him going to the Jets, the Giants, Raiders, Bucks, or Colts. Could stay in Houston. Could. I wouldn't like it, but I don't run things over there. So, hey. He's not going to be on my fantasy team. That's for damn sure. Not redraft. Not, 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 not nothing. F. Lamar Miller. Dick. Marshawn Lynch. He's due $6 million in 2018. I think he's going to go back to retirement. I mean, it was fun while it lasted, but uh, I think at this point, it's time for Lynch to walk away. Clearly, there's not much football left in him. He had that great game against the Jets and not much else in 2017. The Raiders just cut bait and just move in another direction. They're a young team. They got a new head coach. What the hell do you need Marshawn Lynch there running plays out the backfield? I don't, I don't get it. All right, how about C.J. Anderson? If the Broncos release C.J. Anderson, that would say $4.5 off the books. I think he does stay in Denver because where the hell is he going to go? He needs a job. Denver needs a running back. If anything, they could do some reconstructing on the contract, possibly. But Denver does not need a declining, injury-prone running back eating up salary cap space. Uh-uh. No way. Gio Bernard's another guy I think could be a cap casualty. He's due $2.75 million. I think the Patriots, if Deion Lewis leaves, could be a good spot for him. Some other good spots for him. Houston, Tennessee, Indy. And both LA teams, I think the Chargers and the Rams would be good fits also. He's a pass-catching, talented back. And it seems like when you leave Cincinnati, you seem to get better. Just ask Rex Burkhead. All right, well, these next two guys I think are definitely hitting the hitting the road here. And that's DeMarco Murray, who Tennessee would save $6.5 million in cap space for 2018. I think some good landing spots for Murray would be Seattle, clearly. I think Tampa Bay would be another good spot for him. I think, I think the Panthers would be the best fit. I think the Giants would be a good fit as well. I mean, Murray's an aging vet. He's got a lot of mileage on him. He's still productive. You know, he had a down year in 2017, but uh, he also can be really good in the right situation. Giants could be a favorite for him because I know he likes to stick it to the Cowboys and the Eagles. But I just think Carolina makes the most sense. And I think Seattle probably comes in number two as being another sensible spot for him. How about Doug Martin? This guy has got to go. $6.75 million Tampa Bay was saved in 2018 on the cap. You see a lot of the same teams that uh, keep popping up here. They're all vying for running back help in 2018. That's the Patriots, Dolphins, Colts, Seahawks. And this definitely feels like a Miami Dolphins move if they were to get Doug Martin. I think Doug Martin, I think that kind of lines up pretty well there for him to go to Miami. The Pats could be a great spot for him too, but um, I think he's going to command too much money, so I don't, I don't see him going to the Patriots. How about Latavius Murray? Do $5.15 million off the books if the Vikings can cut him. Latavius Murray most likely will remain with the Vikings on a restructured deal. I think he's going to stay in Minnesota. I mean, he could return to Oakland. could see a little reunion there, but I don't think so. I think he's going to stay in Minnesota. But you know what? A return to Oakland, I think it's possible just for the fact that Delvin Cook is clearly going to be the starter there in 2018. And Murray knows that. And the Raiders need a running back. Another old man here. How about Adrian Peterson? Believe it or not, Peterson's owed $2.9 million on the books here in 2018. I think he's going to retire. Unless he's just desperate to play or desperate for game checks. I know the dude's got a lot of kids to feed and all that too. Uh, maybe Cleveland. Maybe the Browns. Maybe AP going with the Browns. I'm not saying it's over for the future Hall of Famer. But it just has to be the right situation. And he is clearly off 
He's definitely off the fantasy radar for 2018. Chris Ivory, $3.6 million on the books for 2018. But if they hold off and they release him post-June 1st, so after June 1st, they decide to cut ties with him then, they'll actually save $5.9 million. And they should. So I expect uh, June 2nd, his ass will be cut because he's irrelevant now and he's simply a backup. TJ Yeldon pretty much solidified himself through the last six weeks of the season that he is the handcuff and the change of pace back for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Chris Ivory's old, been around for a long time. Maybe he goes back to the Saints, depending on what happens with Mark Ingram. But it's irrelevant. Nobody's looking at Chris Ivory for fantasy purposes. How about Jonathan Stewart? Owed 3.75 on the books for Carolina. Loyalty is the only thing I could see bringing him back to Carolina. If they were to make a sensible business decision, they should move on from his ass. Go bring in DeMarco Murray or Doug Martin, another power back that's younger and not a guy who's going to play three games and deal with nagging injuries the entire season. All right, next we got Theo Riddick. Two million on the books. Very down year. Very down year for Theo Riddick after having a great PPR year. Two out of the last three seasons. And like Giovanni Bernard, Riddick would be a great fit for the 49ers or the Rams. I'm not sure they necessarily need him. But I think the Rams would be an excellent fit for what Theo Riddick does, his skill set. I know Gurley's a really good receiver out of the backfield, but having Riddick in the mix, like a two-back formation or something, that'd that'd be pretty sweet to see. Or even... Having Riddick replace Tavon Austin, who just friggin' sucks. Just go ahead and throw Riddick in the slot, man. He's good out there in the open space. Moving on, Danny Woodhead. 1.8 on the books in 2018, or they could save $2.5 million if they cut him after June 1st. For Woodhead, it's over, man. Retire. Retirement is the only place I see him going. And we get to one more old guy, Matt Forte. $3 million on the books. I think the Jets cut him. They got Elijah McGuire. They still got that shithead below Powell. I think Forte, I think it's Detroit or retirement. Prize Pack Trivia. Question of the day. All right, the Prize Pack Trivia. This prize package consists of the Flex Fantasy Football Podcast Fan Pack, which includes the Flex Fantasy Football Podcast Window Decal, six weeks of free access to premium content for the 2018 fantasy football season, the Flex Fantasy Football Podcast t-shirt and a Carson Wentz Philadelphia Eagles jersey. This is a three-part series of questions, so here we go. Number one, the first ever NFL draft took place on February 8th. What was the year? Was it A, 1917, B, 1924, C, 1936, D, 1939. Number two, which NFL team had the first ever NFL draft selection? Was it A, Detroit Lions, B, Philadelphia Eagles, C, New York Giants, D, Baltimore Colts? Number three, who was the first player ever selected in the NFL draft? Was it A, Jay Burwanger, B, Jim Thorpe, C, Gaylord Fokker, D, Frank Gore. Yes, Gore's been around a long time. 
ultimate answers to prize at fantasysportstudios.com. Next week, we dive into the wide receivers of the 2018 free agent class. We touch on the Hall of Fame class of 2018, and we take a look at the first mock draft for the 2018 NFL draft class. Keep sending in your off-season mailbag questions. We'll be answering your questions shortly coming up soon. Fantasy-related questions, non-fantasy-related questions. Submit questions to theflex at fantasysportsstudios.com or log on to fantasysportsstudios.com and submit your question through the question box. Please subscribe to the show, leave a review, and we will talk to you soon. See ya! Thank you for listening to another episode of The Flex. Subscribe on iTunes and Google Play Music. Visit FantasySportsStudios.com to get your fantasy sports fix and interact with the show. Email the show at TheFlex at FantasySportsStudios.com.